I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens around it. Like surgery. Yes. And the long route to surgery, which is, you know, the trans route to surgery in general. And your route in general as well. You never take a direct route to anything. You do everything the long way around. Some of it's not meant to be the long way around. Some of it's, you know, it's unintentional. Like, not that anybody intends to take the long way. Some people do. Okay. But sometimes you're trying to get to the thing and you're not, which is the next step that I'm in now. But... But even the beginning, even like this is just your way of doing things like you, you've learned better to bring up potentially challenging discussions with me directly. Mm-hmm. But that has never been your natural bent. And when you have to bring up challenging discussions with other people, it's almost always a very circuitous approach. Yes, the direct approach was not something that my early life training found to be productive. That's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. It is. I agree. Because then you're trying to tell me something important, and I'm wondering, what on earth do chickens and rose bushes have to do with it? I think that your example is too... I, I'm, I'm using a little bit of hyperbole, yes, yes it's, but... Yes, it's too much for me to process and try to understand what to do about that, so... I'm not asking you to do anything, <laughs> but the fact that you're not even denying that it's a potential example is is sufficient. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. You know, there, there's always all the extra framing that needs to go into something. The circuitous route to approaching a, a challenging thing. And so now your challenging thing is surgery, which... Well, that is a good... I mean, if, if that's the perception, is the the framing of it, it needs to happen first. That makes me think about this route a little bit more. I mean, I'm already on route, so it's not yes. like there's going to be delays. <laughs> Any more than the usual type of delays. Right. But that's probably what it is, is the framing of it. To try, and when you're framing something, you're trying to cope with the information and process it and understand it. Yeah. And our listening friends will probably have heard you frame the surgery discussion in terms of my body is bad at surgery. Yes. Many, many times yes. over the past decade. Yes. And suddenly I started to get an echo of that back at myself with the question of really? Does it does it have to be? Does it now? Is it really bad at surgery or did you just have some really invasive and time consuming surgery recoveries because that's just the nature of the procedures that you ended up having to have? Right. I wasn't going to argue either way. I trusted your self-assessment. Right. I wasn't even thinking about questioning it. But then I ended up giving you cause to question it anyway. Right. You gave us opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) I pushed your buttons on accident. I backed my ass into them completely unaware. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how you do things. Hey, at least I took the direct route. (laughs) (laughs) Ask first, but direct. You got there. I did. Yeah. Well. Because as I've been starting to date new people, this one particular event I asked, would you be interested in this thing? And you hadn't really confirmed yes or no. You just kind of like, "Eh, maybe I don't really listen to the podcast that it's about. And, And so I thought you were uninterested. Right, but you, your perception of my response was not my perception of my response, which is not unusual for us. That is correct. Yes. 
And so I started mentioning it to other people. And Mm -hmm. one of the women that I am currently kind of sort of dating, talking to about dating. Yes. Expressed interest in going. Right. And so when I mentioned that to you, which I was about to say, did you still want to go? How does this feel? You were just like, it pushed your button right away. We didn't even get to that discussion. No, because I don't see how you can invite somebody else and then tell them, never mind. That seems pretty rude. And, you know, even though that's a bit how I felt about what you did with me, but I have already a long term relationship with you and we can work these things out. And I felt like your enthusiasm for a new relationship led you in that direction to offer the the thing to the person without confirming with me first. And so that did push my buttons. And I hadn't seen my discussions with this other person as an offer. It was just sort of, here's the thing I'm thinking about going to. And they had expressed interest in going. And I hadn't said, would you like to go with me yet? I was, but that we didn't have a chance to get to any of that because that pushed your buttons and it was uncomfortable. And then we had to have a talk about why that pushed your buttons and how I can make sure that I'm managing my new relationship energy better and communicating better with you. And these are all things that happen. When they are, yeah, they're not unexpected. Not at all. But even then I felt, and I couldn't say because it would have not been my place to say, but it felt like there was more to it. Yeah, I couldn't have said that at that point. I I was still on the, that you had offered that without checking with me first, if you should take the offer off the table from me and offer it to somebody else next. Right. So... I wasn't onto any clues there might be something else happening. The thing that made me think of it was when you said something about, oh, you're just thinking with your dick you want to go and take a girl. And I was like... I see where you're going with that. (laughs) (laughs) And the funniest part of that was, I was not even having pants feels for this girl yet. Right. But but your behavior was that type of enthusiasm. Yes. That, as you said, new relationship energy. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, yes, has so, and 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 it's not as often for female body persons that they are thinking of that as thinking with their dick. Yes, but for men, it usually is that they are. And when you and I were first together, I was definitely thinking with my dick fairly often. And with the other person that I have now an early stage relationship with that mm-hmm. I will be visiting in a while, definitely thinking with my dick on occasion there. Yes, yes, <laughs> but. Right. But that was like, that was the clue that you're like, you're not, you're you're coming from something in your own head that's not all about where I'm at. Right. But I, I couldn't connect all the dots yet, so I didn't say anything. No, and even if I could have. There weren't enough dots to connect. <laughs> <laughs> no, and even if there were, like, that's something that you can't point out to other people. You know, you can't crack people's eggs. You can't push them to big decisions like that. You and I have the long-standing relationship that if I had noticed it, like if I had put all the dots together, I probably could have brought it up to you because we have that foundation in a relationship where that kind of communication probably could happen. Yes. We struggle on the way there, but we get there. Yes. Because we keep struggling until we get there. Which is great. And I love it. It's sometimes ridiculous. Usually very (laughs) frustrating. It is. Often hilarious at some point. You know, and so we both did have to have this discussion about how I was getting a little lost in my new relationship energy and you felt a little jilted. Yes. Which was a completely fair discussion to have. And uh, like we said, not unexpected. Mm -hmm. But then I 
did yeah, another- Yeah, especially after a long, such a long time that you've not had any new relationships. I am a little, admittedly, I, my skills are a little rusty at multiple relationship time management. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that makes sense to me that they would be. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's definitely a thing. I mean, especially- we've only been managing children here. There's nothing complicated <laughs> about that. Ah, fuck. But it is a very different- sense and there's a very different everything. It's, yes. It becomes a lot of management and a lot of juggling, but it's a very different situation. So Right. And then I did it again. Right after I said, I will try and be more conscientious. I once again, completely made you feel like I was ignoring you, jilting you, making you feel deprioritized because I spent longer on a phone call than I intended to. Yes. And that time I kind of was thinking with my dick. Oh, I'm sure you were, but that wasn't bothering me at that point. It was you said you would take about, again, this is our communication. Your understanding of what you said and my understanding of what you said is typically not really very very close to what what each other is trying to say. <laughs> I gave you a list of things that I was considering doing. I may go to the gym. I may go on the elliptical. I may call this person I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. And they got connected for you that going on the elliptical and calling the person were going to be similar time frame. And I can totally understand how that would happen. Well, the other thing is... You mentioned that when I was out of town, you had spent like some hours talking to them. And then Vinny and I called you and said, hey, how's it going? You're like, I'm still on the call. We're like, oh, go go talk on your call and call yeah. us back later. Yes. And that seemed like a good sign that yes. you're still on your call. So, but when I came home, you said you explained to them that when I was home, you weren't probably going to have time to talk for several hours on the phone. It probably would only be an hour or so at a time. And that's what you told me. Yeah. So that was my my other general understanding of how long the phone call might take. Right. That it would be an hour or two, which I did cut it off before the two hour mark. But right. you were not expecting it to take two hours and I wasn't. you were waiting for my attention and I was not aware that you were waiting for my attention. Right. And so again, we, we keep trying. Yes. And we keep communicating mm-hmm. and we keep problem solving. Mm-hmm. And I love that about you. I don't love doing it, but I'm really glad we can do it. Yes. It's that, not it's not like fun. Oh no. yeah, here we go again. No, no. I mean, we just did it right before we made this podcast where I, you asked me something about was I ready and I wasn't ready, but I was trying to get ready. And, and I said, okay, I'll give you time to get ready. And you're like, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm ready now, but I'm it not was ready. Part of me getting ready was to be able to talk about it. Uh, and okay. you didn't understand that. You jumped to the time thing. And this is just how we do things. Oh, it is. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. So you were on the phone way longer. I was waiting around and I didn't expect that. And and you told me that I should, I would know and I would be able to expect things. Yes. And so again, it was my failure to adequately manage time and communication skills combined with the fact that I thought I had communicated and your understanding and my understanding of what had been said were not the same. Right. And my... You know, I tend to, you and I both tend to do other things while we're waiting for the other person. Mm -hmm. So we've had to learn to say when it's just us, you're not on the phone or something else, but we're just doing stuff around the house. We've learned to say to each other, I am just doing these things until you're ready for my attention. Right. Or for whatever thing we're... These are scripts that we have developed Mm -hmm. between us, yes, Mm -hmm. because otherwise I will be reading a book or playing a video game or cleaning the kitchen waiting for you and you'll be folding the laundry and 
and watching a show and doing yard work waiting for me. And yes. both of us have been doing ple- pleasantly enjoyable things, but not having time for each other because we were both waiting for each other. Yes. Yes. And we were su- both surprised to find out that this was a thing that was happening. <laughs> yes. yes. So, so we, we've, we've eliminated that part, but because you're on the phone with somebody and I think, I keep thinking you're getting off the phone soon, mm-hmm. I don't interrupt you. Right. So now, then we've had a, since had a conversation about, you know, interrupting you, how to do that in a way yes. that you understand that I am interrupting you yes. and wanting to know how long you're going to be on the phone. Yes. More specifically than soon. Yes. yes. We, we have, we have worked out that communication yes. script and. Mm-hmm. and but- this is a thing I just learned really the other day mm-hmm. after I look at my watch 12 years. <laughs> That you have these scripts, especially as an autistic person, you have a script and you apply it to the situation. Yes. And I didn't know that. I mean, duh, it makes sense, but I didn't know that. Yeah. And the other thing that you only recently learned was the whole concept of parallel play, which we discuss with young autists all the time as a symptom. Well, I mostly think of parallel play as neurotypical children at a certain age are not capable of other types of play. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing that comes into my mind then. And then, yes, it does go to autistic children tend to do that. Yes. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, like I know whole families of autists where the two of them will get out the Legos and they'll each build their own separate things, but they're enjoying sharing the same space. And then mom is reading a book and dad is explaining a special interest and they're all just having their own little separate spaces all in the same room. <laughs> yes. Which finally makes sense to me that you wanted both TVs in the same room so you could play your game and I could sit there and watch a show. Which... <laughs> To me, it just seemed like, why should I be in here with my noise if you're in here with your noise? But I didn't have noise. That's the thing. I play my games. Your podcast, I usually. Yeah. yeah. So then you have to put headphones on. Yes. But I, I, you know, it's not something I would have considered otherwise. Right. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So either way, we had this conversation after I stayed on the phone too long. Mm -hmm. And once again, it was a matter of, you're right, I, I wasn't managing my communication skills effectively. I'm sorry, I will do better. Thank you for bringing this to my attention. Here is how we can solve this problem. We had hashed out enough potential remedies that we felt comfortable being intimate again, Mm -hmm. that we felt comfortable really engaging with each other again in a safe and relational way. Yes. And so at that point, I'm quite done, but I can't quite figure out what else I need to do to help it be done. And then some days later, you pointed out that it wasn't a thing I needed to do. No, it wasn't a thing you needed to do because I had trouble sleeping for a few nights. I was going to bed at like 12 something and waking up at four or something Mm -hmm. and I'd just be awake. Mm -hmm. And one night, I think I was awake at three, and I did tell my brain, no, three o'clock is not a time I'm going to engage with you. Right. You will not give me good information. Brain no work at three. Yeah, brain is... Silence notifications from brain at three. Yes. But around the third day of that, uh, the second time I got up that day, which was still early... I'm sorry. uh, I think I was up at three and then I was up at seven or something. I realized it wasn't, the the other thing became clear to me and it was maybe I'm not bad at surgery and maybe I want my surgery and I should get it. And this connects because the person I had been spending that too long phone call with is a much more mask presenting person than you had expected me to be interacting with 
in dating relationships. When we first talked about me going out and dating again, you were like, yes, go find boobs, go get yourself a girlfriend. And I'm like, or whatever. Right. <laughs> you, right. You, you were kind of keyed in on this element of go find all the things that I'm not. Right. And so then when I started taking a real interest in someone with a much more mask presentation, and, you know, I remember you kind of stiffened up one time when they called me and I wasn't going to answer the phone mm-hmm. because I was talking to you and I figured they well, could leave a voice. And we out. had not resolved any of that stuff yet. No, yeah, but so. the fact that I had saved their photo in my phone as this very mask presenting mm-hmm. photo, which I've since replaced because they're they're very envy. But like you stiffened up because it's like there's a dude looking person on my phone. Right. And that was more subconscious for me because I know they're non-binary. I'm the one who keeps correcting you on their pronouns. I mean, we we do it for each other. Yes. But yes. Um, <laughs> Although it was And I really like them. At Cousin Vinny's, Vinny and I are both talking currently to non-binary people who use probably they, them pronouns. And by the end of the night, we were both playing pronoun roulette, like even with our own pronouns, like we couldn't get any damn thing right. <laughs> okay. That's you and Vinny. True, I mean, I can still. totally see that happening. <laughs> You're, both of you are like, why are there pronouns? <laughs> why make do the pronouns stop? have to be gendered? I don't understand why is gender. Right. Can we not make these genders <laughs> so gendery? Oh, oh really funny. It is very funny. But so like I could tell that that was a subconscious thing for you to see like this very masked person trying to get my attention when I'm trying to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And like the fact that before you had said thinking with my dick and then you was said something else about like I kind of have this ridiculous a metanormative urge to go and have retaliatory casual sex with somebody. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so that's totally not you, but I can totally see where you're coming from. And your reason for not having the retaliatory hookup, not only for the fact that it wouldn't even seem to me to be retaliatory, it would just be you going out and having fun. Yes. But... Right. I would feel justified in my doing so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Although, I mean, I think you're justified in going out and having as I many know hookups you as do. you want now. But-, but, but I knew that because of my dysphoria, I couldn't do it. And that was the thing that you were bringing up. Like, if I had a real dick, I'd just go out and bang some girls and feel better about it. And I'm like... <laughs> You probably would, but I don't know if well, it would make you feel better. But the realization I was having, and that's what I said to you, it wouldn't make me feel better, is that as a cis guy, what I would do would just be run out, run around and have sex if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And that would not solve the problem. It would make more problems. But that's the thing that I would do because, you know, and you can do that. That's when I started to realize that that this might be a gender thing that mm-hmm. it kept coming back to you because I was like, if you want to go and have hookups, go have hookups. If you feel the need to do that to reclaim your agency here, then I'm not going to stop you. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you kept coming back to this, it was sort of like the, my body, I want, I want a dick, but my body's bad at surgery. Mm-hmm. I want to go have hookups, but I have dysphoria. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I'm starting to connect some dots here, but mm-hmm. again, I'm still not the right person to point it out to you, especially when I just backed ass first into your buttons a couple times in a row. Well, and you pretty much expect you'll back into some more any second now because that's how that's this how is, these things happen. It is. Yeah. And, you know, it's a process and it's something that I am working to be more conscientious of. And to my knowledge, to the extent I've been able to get feedback from you, I've been doing better so far. Mm-hmm. But I also am aware that things like this, you know, it'll come in waves, I'll get better and then I'll have an oops and then I'll get better. And then this is the way these things go. Yeah, it, it, it is. But- you. Yeah, I'm just standing there in the kitchen 
doing dishes or something at the sink. At four in the morning. No, it's seven. This is the second time I'm up. Okay. <laughs> and I'm uh, sorry. And then all of a sudden it hits me and it reminds me of when I figured out that I could do a medical transition, you know, and I know exactly what happened before that and exactly where I was. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wait a second, what if I'm wrong? Because the the primary example I have for that is I didn't learn to swim until I was 33. Mm-hmm. And I, I probably mentioned this before, but I'll say it anyway, because we're talking about this now. Right. When I was 33, my partner at that time got me swimming lessons at the YMCA in downtown San Francisco. Right. And it was me and like 20 really faggy queers, you know, at the swimming pool. Uh-huh. And I learned how to swim, which I never at that point thought I could do. But I got there and and these folks were more afraid to put their face in the water than I was. And I looked at them as perfectly capable of using that body to swim in the water. And so I, I did the thing the teacher said, and we did the thing and most of us learned how to swim. Maybe one or two people almost learned and basically learned how not to drown, but we all learned, you know, something and I could swim across a pool. And this was a really big surprise to me because I had spent 33 years of my life thinking, I cannot swim and I will not be able to learn how because my parents somehow thought I would get it by osmosis. They were both really good swimmers. And a lot of people do learn to swim when they're young and it's sort of like learning to ride a bicycle. It's one of those things that... Well, everybody learns when, they, when they're when they young. And if you didn't learn when you're young, then why didn't you? There's right. no sense of how can you now? Right. It's not a, okay, do it now. Except then you, okay, and went and did it now. Yes. And so that taught me that you can do things. And the, the next part that then has to happen is, of course, you have to realize this is a thing. Yes. And it can, you know, what the thing is to be done, which of course, you know, transition, and medical transition, and now lower surgery. Yes. So now that is my new venture. And as soon as I realized this, standing there at the kitchen sink, you were sleeping, I was like so relieved and elated that I knew what was going on. Like, oh, I am totally wrong that I am bad about surgery. That was a thing. And I need to pursue this because I am unhappy without the rest of my transition and have been unhappy about it. And quite frankly, have been unhappy about it all my life uh-huh. and have always have this, you know, as you once called my psychic balls, <laughs> you know, my, my, my dick is there and it's not there. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I've coped with it just like I coped with not having a medical transition. And how about if I don't cope anymore like that and I cope with- Getting the thing you want. Yeah, the pain of the surgery and all the nonsense that's going to happen trying to get to the surgery. Yes, which we will talk about next time. Yes. Because it has been an adventure trying to get there. We know that that will happen even before- It always does. I I knew that. Standing at the kitchen sink, I knew. Yes. Okay. Yes. But I'm not going to focus on the problems of it. I'm just going to get to the problems of them and solve them at the moment, which Mm -hmm. is what I've been doing so far. Right. And I'm not going to focus on what types of pain and issues will be immediately after a surgery. They will be there, Mm -hmm. but they will not be permanent. They will be part of a process. They will. And I think that's totally great. And I'm so freaking happy for you. Thank you. And I'm also happy that my potential partners aren't causing you dick resentment anymore. (laughs) (laughs) 
yes, that wasn't really supposed to be your problem. Well, but when you're- It wasn't supposed to be mine either, so- That's the thing. Like, it, it just because it's not supposed to be someone's problem, when you're in a relationship, your partner's problems are your problems. That's part of marriage. Yeah. That's part of choosing to be with someone. Mm-hmm. I was talking to someone the other night, they were having a hard time, and I offered them a hug, and their first response was to say, you don't need to offer me a hug. It's not your job to give me a hug. And I'm like, dude- <laughs> I didn't say it was my job. I just I asked just care about you, okay? If you feel like having one. <laughs> if not, okay. Uh, well, and yeah, and that's the thing, you know, it's like when you care about people, you care about their problems. Yes. And their problems become your problems regardless of whether or not they feel like they're being put on you or whether you just take them because you care. Right. So Well, and that's something that's been really good about, you know, you venturing back into dating and backing asphers into buttons (laughs) is that it's given us some real good opportunities to look at some issues that we hadn't addressed yet together Uh and some issues I hadn't addressed for myself. Right. And we are both quite pleased with the results of all those things. That's good. Yeah. I approve. I mean, it's made our sex life better. It has. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our communication, our willingness to consider if there's a communication problem. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times we don't know. (laughs) It's part of the problem. We're bad at this. But hey, we're bad at it together. Yes. (laughs) Bad at it together. So yeah, it's been been a good good deal so far. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I, and I am very excited. When I was driving yesterday to get the letter from the endo, which, as you said, we'll talk about this whole process, but I was just so thrilled all the way there. That's so great. Yeah, just so thrilled. Yeah. So. Like, between between that and the the happiness of just having, like, so much clearer air that I didn't realize was smoggy with you. <laughs> yes. I, I really, I think that, that first issue that we addressed uh-huh. was the bigger one between yes. us. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so clearing that air and seeing you happy about transition has made me hand flap stimmy happy more than a few times recently. Oh, that's great. Isn't it? Yeah. This would be the point where I usually ask you what's gendery about all this, but <laughs> <laughs> what's not gendery? So sometimes I I think about that and I think with some frustration, not too much because I've learned over time that, you know, our perception is different at different moments and we're going to figure out what we're going to figure out when we do that. But there's a, a little bit of frustration or sadness of loss of time and at the same time that it wouldn't have been this great. I wouldn't have been this ready. Yeah, that makes sense. And also the fact that, I mean, sometimes it does feel like lost time. And sometimes it could feel like, I remember when, when I was managing my divorce for my first marriage, I would often think to myself, oh gosh, why didn't I do this sooner? Why didn't I do this years ago? I knew there were problems. I knew that I would be healthier without this relationship. But why didn't I do this years ago? But the honest answer is... It couldn't have happened years ago. It took all of the buildup to get it to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. Like, you can think, oh, I, I wish I could have done this sooner, but it really wouldn't have happened sooner. No, and especially not in the type of system that we work within, because it's been my awareness the, throughout the whole time of my medical transition that in uh, someplace else, like my friends, my, my trans guy friends in the UK, they go through a step-by-step process and they would have automatically done that consult mm-hmm. and gotten the information of, no, you can do this. Mm-hmm. But we don't have that here. No, we don't. No, we are independent. <laughs> Goddamn motherfucking freedoms. (laughs) 
You're free to try to survive yourself. Good luck. So yeah, next time we'll probably talk a little bit about what it's like to get through this process in the American Intermountain West where there's no doctors who do it. Correct. And so there's plenty for next time, but is that it for now? I think that's it for now. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less than complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening. And these folks were more afraid to put their water in the face than I. (laughs) The water. These folks. Let me start over. Yes. I don't know that what I do would be recognized by most people as hand flapping. It's really more of like a weird jazz hands kind of thing, but it's it's very odd. The music teacher version. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, dear. (laughs) Oh. Let me do some happy stimmy choralography here. <laughs> no. Oh, oh God. All right. All right. Yep. So. <laughs> What's not gendery? Mm, <laughs> nothing. Oh. Okay. Nothing is not gendery. Nothing is not gendery. So there you go. But that's the whole premise of our whole goddamn podcast is that nothing is not gendery. It only took us 10 years to get to this part. Right? Yeah. Um, when I was going through my first fucking trucks. <laughs> I didn't even hear the truck till you swore at it. <laughs> no, and then my brain hears what I just said when I was going through. <laughs> okay. Nope. Okay, then. Not my kink, sorry. Okay. Oh, moving on. Continue. Uh, I don't know. Was there continuing? Did okay. I not make a point yet? Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did, but okay. I didn't know if there was more. I yeah. There we go. <laughs> Waste for clarifying. <laughs> <laughs>